0: Welcome into 11 personnel presented by our friends at Justice Dental. I'm Nick Roush joined as always by Adam Luckett where it is a surprisingly busy January Thursday. We're a day later because uh, we've been busy this week. We've been doing a lot. Um, we've got a lot to get to as you can see right here on the KSR YouTube page. You got a packed agenda uh, before signing day next week and that feels like an afterthought. So there's a lot happening. Luckett, let's start with where we were yesterday, which is at the Joe Craft Football Training Facility, hanging out with the new new Wildcats. Uh, we got six of the seven transfers, and uh, I, I always enjoy that day. Like it, it's kind of a a nice uh, get to know you. And uh, these guys, they're a little bit older than the freshmen, so they're a little bit more seasoned to the to the media. So they're a little bit more comfortable. And uh, in a lot of instances, you kind of, I know Devin Leary had you know, 30 people around him, but, you know, you sometimes get a little bit more one-on-one interaction with these folks.
1: Yeah, it's just – it's nice to get – get just talk to them, right, and just see who they are. You learn some interesting stories. I mean, you got – you had one already, Nick. uh One of your KRC listeners got a huge shout-out from J.Q. Hardaway. Yeah,
0: yeah, which yeah. – That was wild. I don't know how many high school teachers get called out by name in an interview, but uh, our guy Alex from Colga, he's been trying to get uh, JQ or any of his Columbus, Georgia guys up to Kentucky, and he he finally made it happen.
1: Yeah, so it's just nice to get to know some of these guys. Um, Tanner Bowles, we got a little bit more of his background, kind of why he chose Alabama, what he learned from Alabama, moving on. Ray Davis. Being at Vanderbilt, playing against Kentucky, and then deciding to go to Kentucky. Um, Keyshawn Silver, how he was kind of in the portal late and was looking for a place to go, ends up landing at Kentucky. So a lot of good stuff. And I think we uh, we got some good answers, I think, from Larry Nick. Um, Really, Marcus Cox, too, on injury history, they both had kind of weird injuries. Yeah. Cox, ligaments, tore ligaments in his foot. That's like there's a big kind of talking point around like the NFL players association with turfs. Um, yeah, like big injuries are much more prevalent on s- some of these sports turfs. Um, and a lot of them want, they would like to see the NFL NFL go away from the turf because of that. Um, Cox, I think is a perfect example. He can, if that game, if he played Kentucky on grass, he's probably still, you know, he probably didn't get injured.
0: And he probably uh, doesn't end up at Kentucky. <laughs> you know? Right.
1: Yeah. You never know. And then, Devin Leary. You know, I asked him about, you know, how is is it just um if you've had an unfortunate injury history, is it just what can you do to prevent that or is it just football, football? And he was pretty much just like they were both uh kind of freak injuries how they happen. Yeah, but yeah, he said, yeah. you know, there's not much you can do.
0: Right, right. Um especially a dude falls into a broken leg. Um the peck thing is weird. That that is something that doesn't Typically it, have him, he got hit it,
1: right. He was throwing also, the ball, stepped up in the pocket, and got hit. Just perfect angle against right, Florida State. Right.
0: It, it's also encouraging to hear that, like you know, uh, Cox wasn't walking around in the boot. Um, Devin Leary is he's not throwing, but he's working out. Uh, they both anticipate being around for spring practice, which is significant. And I, I also appreciated that said he's he's spending as much time with Leary as possible so that he can he can get to know the guy he's trying to protect and uh, one thing i didn't know going into this is that he has a wrestling background which I, yeah. I know that that's that's kind of a lost art but it used to be the deal where if you played football and you didn't play basketball then you wrestled because it was a good way to stay in shape um uh, but especially for linemen especially for left tackles because you're kind of you're mono e mono it's all about leverage um you know, no wonder he's only given up three sacks in his career so far. So, uh, I, I thought that was uh, I- encouraging to hear from one Marcus Cox.
1: You watch the NFL draft in a year, you will hear this guy wrestling in high school <laughs> at least once, especially on linemen. That is a – it's – it's just – uh, an extra skill that I think people like Iowa, you know, because it's bigger up there, right? All those guys yeah, grow up wrestling. Here. Right. You learn leverage. Cox talked about that. Helps with grip strength. Yeah. Uh, to be a, to be a wrestler, you got to be in outstanding shape, and so and it's hand to hand combat, right? And then a lot of times on the line of scrimmage, that's what it is—hand to hand combat. So that is all. Jamariam Wilcox wrestled uh, Nick in high school, and that I think that kind of helps with some of his leverage and stuff like that. And usually guys that wrestles are like, it's not easy to be a wrestler. That That, yeah. that is hard work. And so that there's something just from that aspect that you can, kind of, I think you kind of bring to the football field. And so, yeah, that was, I think that was very, very interesting to learn. Cause I didn't know that either about Marcus Cox.
0: I had a really good friend of mine in high school who he ended up playing. Uh, he was a linebacker at Princeton. So smart guy really physical great wrestler and he ended up he quit wrestling because he was just like it's so hard to get yourself so hyped up to go whoop somebody's ass every single like the, the emotional strain from it too you know and, and that's kind of like being able to get up off the mat that's where the saying comes from uh, after you get beat because you're you, you can't win every one of these downs as an sec player so um that, that kind of goes in, ties into what Tanner Bowles told us that, uh, you know, Liam Cohen's first priority is fixing the offensive line. Well, how do you do that? And a lot of it is, come comes from a mentality standpoint, setting the tone in the first meeting. And in that first meeting, they crowdsourced. They said, all right, everybody come up with three words. We need to come up with a mantra, uh, a, a, something to define us. What is it going to be? And the word they came up with is nasty. We just want to be nasty dudes that – you don't want to you're not going to take no bleep from uh, so that that is certainly the talking point going in uh, leary said he has all the confidence in the world and the new additions where they all fit into place we know cox is going to play to left tackle but Bowles has done a little bit of everything so so i'm not exactly sure where he's going to fit into the puzzle uh during spring practice
1: Right. He said he's played every position center, guard, tackle. He's open to, I guess, suggestions. Yeah. Um, You're obviously looking at the right side when you're projecting bowls right guard, right tackle. What happens there? You know, do you think Jagger Burton's obviously sliding over to right guard? You've got Jeremy Flax returning at right tackle. You've got DeAndre Buford returning at right tackle. Where does that kind of fit in? And that's, I think, something when spring practice opens here in March, Nick. That's one of the positions we're going to look at. How are they kind of handling that rotation? Who looks good? Who doesn't? As Bowles mainly working at guard, as Bowles mainly working at tackle, that's going to be something we're really focused on because we know the left side, left side to center. Cox, yeah. horsey Cox, <laughs> right there in a row. Cox, cousins. yeah. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> that is established. That is established. It's well, how does everything else work out there on that that, that right side?
0: Um, elsewhere, you mentioned Keyshawn Silver. Uh, I didn't know what to expect, sizing him up because that's part of it too. You get the look test on these guys, and the I'm not even going to say it politely the the impolite way at North Carolina was he didn't succeed there because he was too fat. He wasn't in good enough shape. Um And I thought he actually looked like he was in pretty good shape. He didn't look like your jumbo nose guard. Like he looked like a pretty right. good athlete, about 6'3", 6'4". Uh, yeah, a little, a little wide in, in the middle, but not not really. And he even admitted, like, I, I just straight up asked him, why, why do you think it didn't work out? Because he was ranked higher than Drake May was in that recruiting class. Yeah. Um, and he said some of it was m- mean, like – the time management aspect, making the jump from high school to college, but also the uh, trying to do the, all the right things to make sure that he could prevent injuries, rehab from those injuries, and get back on the field. AKA, now, when you dig
1: thing. in, when you dig into Silver's recruiting profile, when he blew up, he was a 6'5", 230 hundred and thirty-pound kind of defensive end. But a lot of that was projection because he had this big frame and he was going to grow into it. Well, and then he gets his senior year of high school canceled. North Carolina doesn't play football during the COVID year, so he dealt with that. He goes to Carolina. It's they change coordinators. Uh, adjusting to college sounds like was an issue for him, and just yeah. kind of dealing with the workflow of being a power five college football player. And so it just didn't go well, and he kind of – it sounded like he kind of gotten a little bit in the doghouse there in North Carolina. Uh, for whatever reason, looking for a change. Scenery, we'll see if Kentucky can provide it, but you're right. It, he's he, hes not – he doesn't look overweight, I would say, would be my takeaway yeah. from that. He just yeah. looks tall with length, but he does need work on – like he need, needs to add strength, I would think, would say, like some weight room and nutrition work, just like – chisel out that frame I think it's going to be the big thing and then we got like we haven't seen this kid play like it's hard to find tape on him at North Carolina there's a little bit but not much like you're having to watch the spring game to find any tape on him. so what does he look like as a player like to me that's another thing spring practice just what does he look like on the field how does he move how does he strike Uh, because that'll tell us a lot whether he can play or not because Kentucky at that position that's that's the position it's striking and holding your ground and being able to shed blocks to fill two gaps at one time. They ask their guys to two gap there a lot. And so we'll see what he looks like. Also on that look test, Nick, J.Q. Hardaway, to me, really passed it. Yeah. it's a guy, I think he's a legit 6'2", very long arms. Um, Just sizing him up, I would assume his wingspan is probably 6'5", 6'6", how long his arms are. And in a zone-heavy scheme, that's kind of what you want, and that's kind of what we've seen Kentucky zone in on here at cornerback. Uh, big is body. a guy they want, right, big body with length. That's what they want. And this is a kid, Nick, last year. Just Cincinnati's recent success at cornerback is pretty damn good. We all know Sauce Gardner, uh, but but they've had, they've had a couple others, and they, their corners were good last year up there. Now, and Hardaway played a little bit for them. So he's coming in. Like Kentucky needs him to be a starter, I think. Um, he's going to have a competition, I think, with Jansen Dunn to start opposite Andrew Phillips. Uh, but if he can solidify one of those spots, that uh, that's going to be big, I think, for the defense. And he looks the part. And he's got three years of eligibility left.
0: Yeah, and we didn't get to speak to the guy that he's going to be competing against, Jansen Dunn. He had a family thing come up. We'll get to – speak with him shortly, but between him, uh, between Don Hardaway and Avery Stewart, or yeah, Don Hardaway and Avery Stewart, Hardaway has the most in-game college experience. I think that gives him a leg up. You know, he's also there right now, Um, and he, for only being, you know, 19 or whatever, you know, a second-year player, he did have the, at least maturity in front of a group of strangers to not be, too intimidated because we were supposed to be talking to Devin Leary and Hardaway stepped up and there wasn't, you know, he, he didn't crumble under pressure. I don't know how much you can use that as an indictment under interview performance, but he was certainly comfortable in his own shoes up there. Uh, Not as comfortable as Ray Davis though. That dude, that dude's like Vince Marrow in front of a crowd, right? Like if going out to comedy off Broadway, you need an opener, have Ray Davis warm up the room. He'll get him going.
1: Yeah, I, I did like Ray Davis's answer about just being himself. Like he's not Benny Snell, he's not Chris Rodriguez, and he's his running style is a lot different than them. I mean, he's both. They're both kind of all three of those guys are kind of bigger tailbacks, but Davis isn't necessarily running over people on tape. A lot, Chris and Benny. It's a lot of kind of bend on contact, move, twist his body, and fall forward. He's a different. He's going to be a different player, and I don't think Kentucky's going to ask him to be a bell cow like they asked Snell and Rob Rodriguez. Uh, but I do think that shows a lot of maturity on his part that he's got to just come in and be him and do right, what he right. be the type of player he is. I um, mean, that's what Kentucky needs him to be. I don't think they're going to ask him to be a total full on bell cow. But when it's third and two, they need him to go in there and gain three yards. Right, and to do his job. And I think that he showed a lot of maturity, I think, in that way. Um, and he did. I mean, he was a very well-spoken young man, held court in a good way. You could see him kind of gelling on a team real real quick, just from our little 10, 15-minute interaction with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounded like him and Leary have kind of formed a relationship already. And so you could see him, I think, pretty quickly becoming – pretty good member of the football team and I wouldn't be surprised if he's probably going to play I would assume Davis we'll see how his career goes but he could come back next year he could be a two-year player here I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up a captain just you know I'm just basing it off that but just kind of his background and everything it seems like he's going to be a pretty good locker room guy
0: yeah and he um he said too. Vanderbilt's hard (laughs) you know that's no joke so you know you got to be pretty smart to graduate from there and Temple's a Good school as well. You know, started his career there. So, uh, good head on his shoulders. Overall, I mean, you could say that about a lot of them. Just a very well-spoken group. It was exciting to chat with them. We'll have more stories coming from that uh, chit-chat, especially on Sundays. Sundays are are our days now on the website. So, that's that's for leftover basketball and uh, football, football profiles of of the new guys. So, you'll have plenty more coming that way. Um, Something else we worked on this week was – a little look ahead to the depth chart. And, you know, when you do these, you kind of have a good sense of where things already stand. Um, When you were going through and filling yours out, Lucky, were there any spots where you kind of saw and was like, oh, this isn't as good as I thought it would be?
1: I mean, right tackle obviously sticks out. Like, does Kentucky feel comfortable with – Flax and Buford—that is my biggest question. Uh, but overall, I I like the balance they have on offense. Nick, they have young potential star power. Dankey, Barry and Brown, Jordan Dingle, Josh Caddis—I mean, those are all four guys that I feel comfortable predicting as draft picks and potential All SEC performers. And they've only played a full one full year of football. I mean, Dingle will be his third year in the program, but. Who played one full year. So there is, like, that is, those are the cornerstones to me at offense. What's now they need to raise the floor around them. And do, who's going to raise that floor? It's going to be all these veterans, seniors, super seniors, they have on the roster. Devin Leary, super senior. McClain, senior. Ray Davis, red shirt senior. Right? Brendan Bates, super senior. Marcus Cox, super senior. Kenneth Porthy, super senior. Eli Cox, red shirt senior. And then we'll see what happens on the right side of the line of scrimmage. But they've got a surrounding that star power, they've got a lot of veterans. And they need those veterans just to be steady, solid contributors. And then they need these young players, these these young sophomores to grow into stars. If that happens and Leary plays good football for you, the path is there, I think, to a top twenty five offense. Um, the pieces are there as long as right tackle is just not and right-side-of-the-line scrimmage in general is just not an obvious huge weakness. Um, because I think they have balance at running back, they have balance at tight end, and they've got receiver gets young very quick. You're going to have to build some depth there, but they've got a lot of tight ends that can play. And you have to think yeah. Isaiah Cummings is probably going to have a bigger role now with Liam Cohen returning. Uh, so there's a there's a lot there, that I think, for Cohen to tinker with uh, formationally. And I think... If the seniors are steady and Brown and Key potentially become stars, there's plenty there to have a good season on offense.
0: Defensively, it does feel kind of similar where there's one position that I look at and I'm like, hmm, I don't know about that. And it's – well, I I guess maybe two. The five-tech defensive end, there's really nobody there that is a – I know I can rely on it as a disruptor. Khalil Saunders had some nice moments, but we didn't see much from Rivka at all. Uh, Darion Henry Young has the recruiting ranking, but didn't see much from him. I think a sack between those three guys, I think there was a combined two and a half sacks and three tackles for a loss. This is not good enough in that position. But the one that worries me is middle linebacker, Mike linebacker. Because if so, like, let's injuries happen, they need a transfer. Yeah. Yeah. They need a I transfer. Mean, if JJ because if JJ goes down, they have three young guys there, like you know, and, and you have enough safeties, you just play a lot of nickel. Um, you have star power, like you said, up front with on the young star power with Dion Walker, young star power with Jordan Lovett, potentially, uh, Zion Childress, mm-hmm. who's youngish, and, and Trevin Wallace still feels young, uh, even though he's in his third year, but this will be his first year as a starter, uh full time starter. But, like, injuries just happen there at that spot. And D-Jack, if D-Jack goes down, Luke Fulton's a placeholder at best. When I had to write Luke Fulton at two, I was like, ugh. j Van Brown, like, that dude has the recruiting ranking, but I, I didn't see a come in and be a rotational piece at Mike. So, that that does feel like, you know, whereas I, I could at least probably trust Thrower as a backup will. I don't. I don't. There's not a mic right there that I'm just like, okay, yeah, we're good if so, if, if D Jack goes down.
1: We haven't seen many true freshmen come in and play at linebacker either. Here on since Stoops has been here. You know,
0: Square got some reps, but I mean that's at Will. That's not even at Mike.
1: Um, I mean, Wallace played, but he I mean he kind of struggled low key. Yeah, when he, when yeah. They threw he him was a there. special teamer. Really, nice he had
0: that. He had that great game against Mississippi State, where you know they just asked him to. Playing space, uh, but yeah, they're uh, it's 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 hard. It's it's because it's very difficult to play middle linebacker in an SEC defense. It just is. Yeah,
1: I I really think they need a transfer there. To, they needed somebody to be a quality backup. Um, Austin Keys, who was started part of the year at Ole Miss, he was a guy I kind of looked at, but the, he ends up at Auburn. So to me, I'd, watching who what kind of players enter the portal of that position. Because we like, I like Martez Moore a lot. Coming out of high school, we just haven't seen it, Nick. I mean, he's in yeah. year three. We just haven't seen it yet. So that's has been that's a worry. Yeah, right. For that's sure. a that's a worry. Yeah, because if he could play, then you could talk. I could be talked into it. Because then you can kind of it's kind of intercha- right. It's interchangeable yeah. in there. Um, the other thing to me, they have to get these safeties on the field. They've got a lot of like safety nickel tweeners type, and Vito, so I think it's gonna Geiger, right? Vito, Alex, Safari, all of that. Those guys have to play, and so I think it's gonna be one outside line, one traditional edge. Uh, so JJ Weaver gonna hold that down, and then you're gonna have I think Keaton Wade and Tyrese Fierber kind of rotating in, and then safety. they uh, overall they're just really in a strong spot, I think. With Geiger, Childress, love it t- for two spots. Um, I think that's a good mix there, and that's part of the reason I think Kobe Albert transferred. Uh, yeah, and then a cornerback. I've talked about it; they're a little unproven, but they just spent a lot of scholarship capital here recently. Like these guys, we need to see the recruit and develop. We need to see the develop part here. I like we want to see Andrew Phillips see if he can take the next step and see what they can do with Hardaway, Dunn, and if they can get a Stewart or a Sir Addison on the field early. Talked about how we haven't seen a lot of. Middle linebackers play early, but cornerback's a little different. Um, I know year, Asin is the player the staff loves, even though he's one of their lower-ranked recruits. Stewart kind of fits the mold for what I think they want out there. And so we just need to see the development part there at cornerback. They have enough bodies there. Uh, They need to have some of those bodies become players.
0: Uh, Speaking of – Cornerbacks, uh, the Davison Igbenosin is uh transferring from Ole Miss to Tennessee. I yeah, I think you all remember him from the recruiting truck. Kentucky was kind of the runner up in that one, but uh, Katz got active in the portal before he jumped in, which it was weird. that, Did you see he was one of like four guys that jumped in on the last day that it was open? Really bizarre. I don't know what, what was behind that strategy, but
1: yeah, I don't know what K- Kentucky's interest was at all there, but there it. They, there's a hard, like, the can't, the semester starts and then Kentucky has, a, like, seven to ten days for, with the ad it's drop. Five.
0: It's only five. It's it it five on a Monday and that Friday, which is and then my underst-
1: ridiculous. I, my understanding, it's a hard cap once that hits. Yeah. Can't get anybody in. I think other schools have a little bit more leeway with that. Especially
0: if you already have college credits. Um, I know it's 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 hard cap of your uh, incoming freshman, but if you already got credits, that was the case for Keontae. Keontae Goodwin transferring to Florida. Um, he was able to go a little bit later because of already having some credits from Kentucky. Uh, you know, best of luck yeah, to
1: so, him. Right. So my point in general is just middle of January, Kentucky kind of has to have their mid-year guys ready to roll. Once that yeah. passes, it can be harder for them to get guys in the school where other schools, I think – seem to have more leeway, especially in the SEC. So that might be something they need to look at to tinker yeah. with a little bit.
0: Get all evil on, change up that academic calendar. Uh, it was it was actually kind of rare that Silver uh, visited after Christmas and was able to get in. That that just that hasn't happened so far in the Mark Stoops era. So
1: Yeah, it uh, had to happen fast, right.
0: The only other place he visited to was UConn. So I, I get the sense, like, he's going to
1: – They're, he has they're to taking a swing with, here, yeah.
0: Yeah, he has to play with some desperation, too, because if not, then he's kind of, you know what I mean? Back. So mm-hmm. it's now or never. Now or never to get right. Speaking of now or never, now, right now, stop what you're doing. Visit mybookie.ag because this weekend is cover week. The QR code right there, take a picture of it. Put in promo code personnel, and you know what they're going to do? Deposit 50 or more, you're going to receive a cash bonus instantly to your account. This bonus is simple. You bet your deposit amount just once, and you're ready to catch out. There's no strings attached to my bookie. So if you put 50 bucks in, you put $50 on the Bengals to cover, and they do, boom, bada bing, bada bam, all that money, all yours. uh, Plus that that, that bonus that they're going to give you, they're going to double up on. Um, New year, new you, start over with my bookie. Get that gambling game right, whether it's the NFL, UFC, or uh, college basketball. Really heating up. I know it's difficult. uh, Sometimes to get those spreads in time, but MyBookie has you covered. But anything, anytime, anywhere with our friends at MyBookie. And right now when I visit MyBookie.ag, I've got to check the current lines because they're all over the damn place for your Cincinnati Bengals and kansas city chiefs um
1: it was one and a half chiefs at my bookie yeah it it kind
0: of started it started right around there went all the way to bingos minus two and a half and now the bingos are dogs again so this thing is swinging all back and forth i don't i don't know what to make of it and to be quite frank with you with both of these games i could zero outcomes would surprise me um in either But there is something to be said about what the Bengals got. Like I I don't know what Joe Burrow's got going on for him, Lucky, but the dude's just a freaking winner. And for the the, the running game to be as good as they were in Buffalo, that that can be a real difference maker in keeping the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, especially with a gimpy ankle. If he has a couple three and outs while he's adjusting to kind of a new look offense – they can get a lead and if they can sit on it with Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan, like that makes a huge, huge difference because you really have to, as good as Burrow is, you got to kind of play a limited possession game against Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah. You mentioned games being 50 50, and no idea on this one, specifically Bengals, Chiefs. I don't think Vegas does either. Like this line movement to me, Nick, they're just trying to get as close to 50 50 take home the VIG and call it a day, Vegas. Uh, with the Mahomes injury, they just don't know. The Bengals have kicked their ass, I mean, all, ye- all year. Burrow, I think, uh, uh, ESPN had a, an article on this. I'm going to try to pull it up right quick. But, like, the Bengals are on this crazy ATS run, and Burrow is <laughs> r- ridiculous um, against the spread. Uh, but, anyway, to to your point, I think, First of all, uh, the way the Bills play, and it's what teams had success with Burrow, they, they were playing two high split safety coverages, yeah. daring the Bengals to run the ball, and making them, and taking away the deep shots, um, and the Bengals have just adjusted here, um, and Burrow being been very good about hitting the checkdowns, they've been putting chasing the slot, letting him go over the middle, find the soft spots in the zone, and get a yards after catch, and then... Going away from like their outside zone scheme and running some more gap stuff, and just getting three, four, eight, five yards, being an efficient success rate offense. And Burl doesn't make mistakes typically. He doesn't turn the ball over. Stay ahead of the chains, and that's just really hard to stop when an offense does that. Now, what makes to make this game different is Spagnuolo is not going to sit back and do like he's going to come after them in a big, big way. I mean, they're, they're going to play some zone, but they are going to blitz the Bengals. And they're going to get one-on-ones in this game like they had, didn't get in Buffalo, like the Ravens would not give them. And so, to me, I could see a more explosive Bengals offense in this game, and that's where it's really going to be interesting. To me, what does Mahomes look the whole, like? The Bengals are going to score on the Chiefs. I feel very confident in that. But the question of this game is, to me, What does the cheat? What does Mahomes look like hobbled? How do the Bengals kind of game plan for that? And once they're hit with that early game plan by Andy Reid, how do they how do they kind of react and adjust to that? Uh, If Mahomes is not in, if Mahomes is not able to move around and ad lib like he is, I think it could potentially be a very good day for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm pulling up these these numbers right here, Nick, just a second. A
0: ATS. Um, I, I think one yeah. other thing worth noting, too, about Spagnuolo being more aggressive, um, that Bengals offensive line that's hobbled, ain't going to look as great this week. Bur- Burrow's going to get pressured. It just is. Yeah, no uh, doubt. He's, no doubt. He's done well with it before. Um, but, like, that's – is is what's his name? Is the left tackle, Williams, is he going to – Is there any talk of him playing, or is that uh, still like Super Bowl only as like an option?
1: He did not practice today. It doesn't look like him or Kappa will play. But my hunch is if if they the Bengals make the Super Bowl, I think they'll both be available.
0: Okay, because it'd be at least a month for Williams, uh, and what? Yeah, it would be a month for
1: cat. It'd be yeah, it'd be like a over. It'd be right at a month for Kappa, and I think it would be. Three to four weeks for Williams.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah. Burrow
1: has covered nine straight games as an underdog. Nick <laughs> with the Bengals. He's five hey, and zero ATS It's a playoff underdog.
0: Well, and for me, I bet against Burrow um, until I didn't last year in the Super Bowl. And like, I I can't I can't figure out the good times to put my bookie money on. Joe Burrow. So like in this one, I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Maybe you might play uh some props out there. Uh, I, I just I I also gotta wait till like the day of too for like receptions and stuff like that because those are those tend to be my favorite. Um those uh typically yeah. go up later on.
1: Yeah. Are you yeah, I got single t- fan that s- are,
0: are you are you I've got some more big? here. There Okay, hit, hit me with something then.
1: Let's see here. Uh, Pulling it up right here, the Chiefs have the worst against the spread record in the NFL this year. Oh wow! Uh, The Bengals are twenty-one and five ATS in their past twenty-six games, Uh, including thirteen and five ATS this season, second best, and twenty-seven and twelve ATS since the start of last season. Cincinnati is nineteen and one ATS in its past twenty games, with not laying at least seven points. Um, Burrow is eighteen and one. Bengals have covered five straight road games, eight and two ATS on the road this season. Burrow is five, like I just told this, he's three and out outright against Mahomes. Everybody knows this. Um, Kansas City was two and 11 against the spread against AFC teams. They're also 0-4 with extra rest, so they're going to get the extra rest this week because they played Saturday uh, last week. I mean, just there is a lot there where the trends heavily, heavily, I think, um, lean towards Cincinnati this week if you're if you're into that. And so that's but are something you to keep in mind. Are you feeling
0: confident though, as a Bengals fan? Are you more or less confident than you were? Um, I don't know, going into Buffalo because that was that was that game felt like it had an equally high amount of stakes, even though a Super Bowl berth wasn't on the line. I'm sure. I'm sure you're more confident than you were a year ago because you actually now you've been to the Super yeah. Bowl, right? So like, you've got to the take. trend
1: scared the trend scared me last week. That line really. Assed up Bills, I thought. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird. One. So I and I was like, man, I don't know. And then the the Bengals just handed Vegas their ass again uh, <laughs> in that game. Uh, so, I mean, like they've got Burrow, and like they're riding like just a hot hand. You know, the defense is playing. I think probably a little over its head right now. The offensive line will be a different challenge, but I do think with the Chiefs. They've really got two guys. With Chris Jones is number one, the guy you got to stop. Yeah. And then Frank Clark on the outside, who hasn't had a great year. But the real thing with the Chiefs is just picking up their pressure packages. Like what Spagnolo is going to send. Um, and if they can do that, they've been, I think they can be in good shape. They've been really good with Ted Karras this year at center. They picked up in free agency. It's been awesome just with are kind of setting up their protection schemes. Uh, if they can do that, take care of them, yeah, I think it's going to be a good day. I like the Bengals matchups on the outside. I just do, you know, with the receiver and Hurst has been big as they've kind of adjusted to defeating two high coverages. I, I, yeah, I I like their chances with a hobble Mahomes. Yeah. You all have to, yeah, you have to like it. I I think, you know, the Chiefs are good. It's tough to play, but Burles, I mean, he's a mf man. So, like, he, if, if it, the ball's in his hands late, I'm going to feel like they have a really good chance. Um, as long as, the, like, the turnovers are big in these games, especially these NFL, yeah. these limited possession games, like you talked about. You really can't afford to go down and have a big turnover margin. You can survive maybe minus one, but you get down minus two or so, you're in trouble. But if you get plus two, that's a huge swing your way. And so I think if the Bengals do that, I think they're going to have a, a really good shot here in this game
0: i i worry about uh karma for eli apple is uh trash talking <laughs> yeah uh, yeah he's talking a lot he's, he's talking he's, a lot he's, he's, he's liable to get burnt i've seen it happen before so i know it I'm, just
1: happened two weeks ago
0: exactly exactly so I'm, I'm kind of leaning over 47 and a half that doesn't you know getting into force three touchdowns and a field goal piece uh feels like you could be in that territory. 265 props available right now on my bookie.ag for that yeah. game the nfc championship look like it it's much more simplistic for me i really think if you just look at matchups it's kind of a push and really everywhere except quarterback and coach i give the edge to shanahan because he's been there and done that but i give the edge to hurts so like this game really in, you've got home field advantage at the link um Ultimately, though, like I just, I, I think having Jalen Hurts, who's played in big games like this before, I love the story of Brock Purdy. I love the story of Mr. Irrelevant. But, like, you know, eventually he's got to go win him a game, right? And that's kind of been the 49ers' problem under Shanahan is when you get so far into the playoffs, eventually your quarterback's got to win you a game. And I don't trust Brock Purdy to go win him a game yeah. at the league.
1: It's caught up to him the last deep, two deep runs with Shanahan. Um, against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, like that beautiful opening script. First three, four drives were awesome. But at the end, when the Chiefs started coming with Mahomes, you needed Garoppolo to go make plays, and he couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, same last year against the Rams. So that's why, Nick, in this, in this game, my favorite wager is probably 49ers' first quarter, 49ers' first half. Like, I feel pretty good about them getting in a lead. And you. But I don't know if, they can, if they'll end up holding on to win the game or even cover that the spread because it's so small. But I do feel good about them jumping out early and potentially landing that first punch. Uh, but the Eagles are a wild card, too. I mean, we've seen that their, their defense has been good for the most part. But they have had moments this year where they've gotten gassed. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's the first time Sirianni's really been on this stage we've seen Jalen Hurts in big games, uh, but we've also seen Jalen Hurts not play well in big games in the past.
0: And get benched for uh, when you, two.
1: Get, you, when you get back in college, right. And so we'll just have to see how it all shakes out. But both these two teams are really carbon copies of each other. Yeah. Really yeah. good defense, chiefs, outstanding
0: personnel.
1: Outstanding pass rush, great offensive lines, great running game. The passing game is based off the running game. Mm-hmm. Really good, I think, two-play callers, like Shane Steichen, who's the Eagles' OC, is probably going to get a head coaching job this cycle. And so we'll see how it shakes out. But for me, I do like more of the experience here with the Niners, and I think that'll pay off with kind of their opening script and game plan for the game. And so I kind of – I do like the Niners' first quarter, first half here. And I don't think the Eagles – like we saw how fast the Eagles started last week. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen twice in a row.
0: I love that Freddie Mitchell, uh, former Eagle, he does some NFL Network stuff, and he was just going on and on saying A.J. Brown needed to get more touches. And it's like, oh, Freddie Mitchell wants the receivers to get more touches. Big surprise. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, and, well, uh, well, a prop here, you know, C.D. Lamb had that big game. So I, I've been kind of looking at that. You know, Devontae Smith's at five and a half over. You can get odds. I think A.J. Brown's five and a half, six and a half. Both of those are intriguing to me, over receptions for them. It's going to be tougher to run the ball, I think, here against the Niners front. And so those receivers – if you look at the Niners' weakness, the weakness is outside of cornerback on the defense. Um, And so I think you could – if you're looking for a prop to play, I like like either one of those overs, uh, Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown. Either way,
0: our last big, great NFL Sunday, uh, ideal times uh, you get – Three o'clock to dinner. You eat first half. Put the kids down. Hopefully they go down quick. Then you get the second half after bedtime. So it's a nice, nice. This is
1: the one time we have the advantage over the West Coast. I feel like.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: West Coast is noon, three thirty. It's like a. It's just a. It's what our usual NFL Sunday is. We get the. We get. We don't have to jump into it right today. We can have our day started a little bit. You get the three. You get the six thirty. The game ends at 930, 10. It's perfect ending time. Okay,
0: we can write all of our posts, so we don't have to <laughs> sit behind right. a computer for for the entire game. But they Sunday. make up
1: for it for the Super Bowl because they like the three o'clock Super Bowl start is just perfect. I feel like
0: it would them. be. But wait until six. You can just go to a
1: party. You got three. Yeah. You can you actually enjoy the game at the Super Bowl party. Then, then you can go home and you can wind down at home. Where us, like, usually every time we go to a Super Bowl party, Taylor wants to leave it like halftime. Yeah, the game is yeah. it always ends later than you think it ends. Yeah, and then you're like, and then the next day you're like, oh man, that that was. I'm more tired than I thought I was going to be every year. I'm yeah. more tired than I thought I was going to be on Super Bowl Monday every year.
0: Oh Well, we, we spent some time talking about the professional ranks. Let's go back down to the high school ranks where Kentucky opened up its 2024 recruiting class by nailing a commitment. Hayes Johnson committed th- this morning at his high school, Taylor County, uh, decked out with dudes and mullets who were shirtless, uh, painted up uh, in UK. He picked the Cats over Tennessee, Baylor, Louisville, and Michigan State considered uh, by many recruiting services as the top player in the state of Kentucky uh, an ideal time to get your first one on the board uh, they have uh, junior day this weekend that will be a big recruiting weekend now you've got one on the board you can kind of say here's here's kind of what we're working towards um, he also might not be the they're also working on a lineman from Simon Kenton as well and look like it for me I I just – you can never talk me off of – or talk me out of taking uh, an offensive lineman from Kentucky because the Cats have such a good track record with these guys from the Commonwealth. Uh, they're not all going to be Drake Jackson's or Landon Young's, but, you know, you, you can be fine as a Mason Wolf or an Austin Dotson too as a rotational piece that comes in for a couple years and is a solid run blocker. So, uh Worst-case mm-hmm. scenario, I feel like that's in the cards for Hayes Johnson, a lifelong uh, Kentucky fan that will be a Wildcat uh, following his senior season at Taylor County this fall.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot to like here. Obviously, the in-state aspect, you get an early, nice in-state recruiting win to start your class. Get a little momentum before this huge junior day, right? You've got this a bunch of kids coming in Saturday a nice little bump here, I think. Um, and Johnson, he just seems like, we talked about that nastiness, playing with an edge, chip, being a little salty. He fits kind of that, that culture, I think, what they want. You turn on the tape, good punch, good run blocker, good drive blocker, north-south linear punisher at the line of scrimmage. Plays with a good base, finishes blocks really well. Let's do the on tape. He's letting the guy he just blocked know about it. You could see him talking to him. So I think he kind of fits that mold of kind of a a, a north south lineman who p- plays with an edge, who um, plays with a little bit of a nasty streak. And I think that is what Kentucky wants. He played right tackle for Taylor County last year. I think he's probably a guard here at the next level. So there's a lot. I think a lot to like. He checks the boxes here.
0: Yeah, and he's also a
1: – And just like Kobe Keenum, just like Kobe Keenum, he sounds like a Kentucky offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You yeah,
1: know what, what I'm saying? Like just,
0: just Yeah. <laughs> uh, between the, the hunting and – what was it? He, he was rolling in the mud whenever he met Zach Enzer. Like
1: <laughs> – Yeah, yeah, he just – he fits some of the bill here, I think, and that's what they need to get back to a little bit. Is playing really like, it's, it's what Mark Stoops said: play with an edge. Like these are the kind of guys you need. Uh, you need more. You need more Stenberg. Like yeah. you're willing. Yeah. Like I always said with Stenberg, I was willing to live with one personal foul penalty a game. Yeah, like because for he's sure. kick, he's kicking ass every six other sixty-three snaps. Right. And so, like that is. That, I think they want some of that back. I think they felt like they've lost some of that here recently. And Johnson kind of fits a little bit of that, that Stenberg mold of, you know, playing hard, uh, playing with a little bit of an edge, and not, you know, flirting with that, that, that line. Uh, but you don't have to question his effort or physicality level ever. And we heard Cohen talk about that, how when he was first here, you never had to worry about that, that group not playing well or playing physical, or if something went wrong, he could always count on they had. They were policing it themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah that went away last year, and that's something they have to get back.
0: They got to get back to it. He can play a significant role in it. Uh, a charismatic character, as I said, entertaining behind a mic. You can hear all of his interview and watch all of his commitment ceremony on the KSR YouTube page. Um, But we mentioned that this weekend is a big recruiting weekend. He'll be up there. Hayes Johnson will be up there, as well as um, some talented quarterbacks. Um, Cutter Bowley, we know plenty about him. He's done plenty of interviews. He's from Lexington. We've seen him throw in person. We've spoken with him. He'll be there, as well as uh, Ryan Montgomery from Finley, Uh, another four-star prospect in the 2025 recruiting class. This is kind of where you – you plant those seeds, like it uh, with with Liam Cohen uh, calling the shots again at Kentucky.
1: First things first, but it's early, but both of these guys are top 100 prospects. And Nick, we've talked we talked about, I believe, last episode. And you know, I've hammered the QB recruiting; how they've had a lot of misses there, and they haven't had a top 250 player at the position since Drew Barker, and we're going on a decade since the Drew Barker recruiting class. Like, Drew Barker's about to have his 10-year high-score reunion. Like, it's been a long time. Yeah. You know? It's been a long time here. So, we that's something that, that needs to be addressed. I mean, you know, we're outdating ourselves, but that's how long it's been. Yeah. Um, so And both of these guys have visited here multiple times. And, yes, both of them probably, they're both excited about Cohen and him returning. They both got to know him a little bit before he left. They both really liked him. Now he's back, and they're both excited. I think to build that relationship and see where that goes. So getting them both on campus, I think, is big here. Ryan Montgomery, his brother, just was in this last class. Is an offensive lineman. Is committed to Ohio State. This is the that's the big one here. If he if yeah. Ohio State offers, it's probably the door shut. Yeah, probably slammed shut. Uh, but if they don't. You know, because of how they recruit quarterbacks, right. typically. And if he's not one of the top three or four guys in the class, it's probably, you know, Ohio State's usually getting who they want. Then it becomes a guy that I think Kentucky could really, really get. But at the same time, Bully is in your backyard. He plays high school football with Tim Couch's son. That's a guy, like, you have to, you know, really, you need to Tim. get if you think he can play. Yeah, damn. come on. You take this guy golfing for a minute or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, but yeah. Like, uh, both of these guys are. This doesn't typically happen where you have guys of this caliber. We see, we'll see how their de- their careers develop. Like, I don't want to crown them too early because they they still aren't juniors in high school yet. Right, right, right. But that these much. are guys that that typical that Kentucky has better than their typical chance with. Like, they have a really good shot landing, but. For both of these guys, Nick, the ball is in the fairway, right? Like, you didn't have to drive it off the tee. It's already in the fairway. Now you need to hit an approach shot and go make a putt. Well,
0: man, you're asking can
1: to Can they? To me. Can, can <laughs> I'm, I'm, they I'm do it? I'm
0: just saying, buddy. Sorry.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but this is a, this is a, this is that, you know, I'm just, just use that analogy. This kid, can, oh, they, no, finish? can they finish? I, I'm not sticking <laughs> it on the
0: green. I hope Liam is much better in his short game than no. I am because uh, i'm getting out that pitch and wedge and sending it to kingdom come but I, I, I hear what you're saying though you you already you're further ahead than what you typically are um because of the infrastructure and the people you have in place and here's the other part too like it that we got to be practical about you know if you're lucky to get three years with Cohen this might be your one like this is your chance to get a cohen guy. Have him with a year on him, and by the time Cohen's out, you still have your quarterback. Right, you know, 100%. Like, that's, that's why it's huge to get somebody now for the future, uh, not just to deal with uh, in the
1: immediate. It's not only the bump you would get to if you get a quarterback of this caliber. right? Committed early with your class. I mean, you're going to get it. If you get one of these guys, lock them in, you're going to have a top 25 class, and you're going to get back on track. In that aspect, that's uh, big.
0: Talk to a bully potentially moving up. I, I know that 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 could happen. I'm not sure, but he could move up to twenty twenty
1: four. Yeah, so. we'll see. We'll see how that all shakes out. Right.
0: Something to keep in mind. Uh, the The last bit of news we got this week before we get out of here. Well, no spring game and. With spring. This one's canceled because they're reinstalling the turf. You need new turf. We talked about the turf monster they got Marcus Cox. It's it's old. They put it in when the stadium got renovated in 2015. Seven years is it that? That's the shelf life. Um, First off, you could. There's other times to install the turf. Secondly, I, I know you don't like playing these spring games and showing off anything more, but. There's just something about being able to have stats like they're going to open up one practice, maybe two for us to watch. But there's something about having stats, having a scoreboard. Say they scored a touchdown. It's just it's just it makes our jobs a lot easier, too. And it's fun having something in April to look forward to. Uh, it's kind of it bridges the gap post basketball and in the draft like I spring games are just fun and we're just eliminating fun because now, I know COVID had a lot to do with it, but you've had one spring game in four years, right? Like,
1: And it was the worst weather day of the year last it year. Awful.
0: It was so awful. So yeah. it just it sucks. This, I, 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 this, I is very,
1: this is very much a fan event. It's a chance yeah. to go to the stadium on a Friday night or Saturday afternoon, chance to tailgate for a couple hours, a chance to go watch football, and then the majority of people leave at halftime. Yeah. Um, It is very, you know, and it's a TV product as well. You get SEC gets – SEC network gets inventory to put on their network on a random day in April. Mm -hmm. Kentucky needed new turf. Like, that thing was getting faded. You could tell in the end zone how faded it was getting. Yeah. But it is a bummer that they're not having the spring game, especially with this team, the Cohen bump. Maybe get to see Leary for the first time. There's some new players. There's some young, exciting players you would like to see. So that, it's just disappointing. You wish you could have had it, but they're not having it. It's not the end of the world, but it is disappointing. I'll be interested to see what they do to make up for it. How many open practices do they have? What do they do here at the open practice, do they have a full-on scrimmage for people to watch? I'd be very interested to see how they kind of adjust that. And that That is barely my, my big takeaway. Um, typically, a lot of, not a lot of people go to the spring game, Nick. It is a lot of – it's more Lexington-only crowd, and it's a lot of more so diehards, I would say, or right. tailgate diehards, depending on weather. Uh, but it is very much a fan. It, it's kind of – you're giving something to the fans, I think, typically. You let them come to the game for free, come and get to watch a couple hours of football. And so it just it just stinks from that aspect. But, again, they do need new turf. And this is what stinks about football. Like if this was at Rupp, they could just go play at Memorial or go play at a random high school gym.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You can't really do – I mean, would you go down to Douglas and play – I mean, how many seats does Douglas hold? It's yeah. It's just not. I don't think that's practical, and so that's yeah. where I think where it really stinks. Because Do they don't play at EKU? Too. right? Like there's a hundred,
0: thirty people. Right. Like it, it, because the walk ons are all going to play. We had the kid from uh, Sedanville last year. that – called Boyle County. Got the touchdown to the back Cole Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, like it, it, it's a huge operation. So to pick up all that and move for a scrimmage that you're, is a half-ass scrimmage to begin with. You know, it's just – it's a bummer. <laughs> it's a bummer, as we said. Uh, but we're not going to end with a bummer, though. 100 days till Derby, luck it. All right, it's heating <laughs> up. It's heating up. We're getting fired up here in the south end of Louisville. Already got a winner in the Derby League. A Instant coffee. Brad Coxer. It's uh springtime. It's right around the corner, even though it's a cold day today. Uh, we're going to get some playoff football this weekend. Uh, signing day on Wednesday. Uh, maybe Wu Spencer. Maybe nobody. We'll see. Uh, that's basically I'm flipping a coin. Louisville, Kentucky. That's what that feels like right now. Um, but we'll see. We might be having a commitment to talk about on Wednesday. But uh, until then, it's been a pleasure talking with you again, Lockett. Uh Hang around next week. We'll be live. We're going to do it live next week. So screw all this other stuff. We're going back to live. We'll see you all then eleven personnel
1: who day